Fox News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Everybody, this is Brett Baer at the Iowa caucuses in Des Moines, and we have a setup to the all-star panel podcast a look at the iowa caucuses before the caucuses start with shannon bream charlie hurt and juan williams thanks guys for coming out great to be with you a little cold yeah that's why it's so great to be with you (laughs) right and with our body heat all of us together um you know there's all this speculation about what's going to happen as far as turnout that is a big part of the story though shannon you know who comes out Absolutely, because in this weather, it's no joke. And even though we say Iowans are hardy and they tell us, oh, we're used to this, this is a new level. I mean, when you've got feels like temperatures in negative 30s, it's the real deal. And as I said this morning uh, on our air, there's a county here that has one location. So everybody, no matter how rural, that's their option. they got to get there. And so there are going to be different people. We know that Haley support tends to be better in urban areas. Most of those have been plowed out and dug out, but for rural folks, they're going to have to think twice about safely navigating the roads. Yeah. Charlie, so it's all an expectations game now, and you had um, the Trump campaign, Chris uh, Lasavita, come out and tell reporters a short time ago that a 12-point win would be a good night. That's much lower than even the polls indicate. And for a guy, the former president, who touts, you know, big, big, huge wins over DeSanctis and Birdbrain, in his (laughs) words, um, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. And uh, I think it's a testament to how, you know, know, at first we weren't sure how seriously he was going to be taking the Iowa caucuses because he, you know, you know, he feels like he's the incumbent and he doesn't have to do these debates. But they are taking Iowa very seriously. They're taking all of it very seriously, down to the point of uh, the, playing that expectations game. And I agree with you. I think that I think twelve is probably on the low end. Um, but you know, the, uh, going back to the weather, the other thing about the weather is that you know enthusiasm really counts in the caucuses, no matter what. But when you have negative seventeen degree weather, it the enthusiasm is really, really important. And obviously, you know, you, you know, older voters, rural voters, all that stuff kind of plays into it. But, uh, you, you know, Trump supporters, are, have, have, they have been through everything. And they are willing probably to go through anything to cast their ballots. I mean, think about that. They have been through everything. They've yeah. been through Access Hollywood tape, a John McCain in jail that was such a quaint memory. Was, <laughs> remember those? The good old days. I mean, the good what old I days. Love this morning from him is the quote that you can go out there and then pass away. Yes. It's okay. Exactly. <laughs> like, just make sure and, you vote first before the freeze gets you. And, and, and most normal politicians, if they said, please die for my campaign, <laughs> they would be like, yeah, I'm out of here. But, like, with Trump, it's, people are like, okay, yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm going to die honor. for my candidate. Yeah, die Badge for my of honor. But one, you know, you sense the fact that he, the former president, went after Vivek Ramaswamy, saying that's a fake MAGA. He's not really MAGA. Suggests that maybe they feel the 50 percent is in sight. Well, 50 percent really is a signal moment. I think that's what most of the political insiders are looking at uh, tonight. If the in- man who's running as the incumbent Republican 
you know, former President Trump, uh, gets less than 50, the idea is that then there's a possibility, a sliver of hope for a Nikki Haley if Haley comes in second. Um, that Haley going into New Hampshire where she has the governor's endorsement and the like could really make a difference with that body of Republican voters. They're a little different than Iowa. But to me, hearing what you just said about, you know, here's a, a Trump campaign saying let's lower expectations is quite fascinating because to me, he has been one who has been bumping up the expectations here all along, saying he's going to crush them. And so now it looks like wait, maybe they know something we don't know. Maybe they have some internal polls that, and they want to shade the way that we all interpret these numbers tonight. Right. For uh, Governor DeSantis, Shannon, he is going to South Carolina, he says. Um, but a lot depends on how he finishes mm -hmm. tonight. I mean, he's put everything on the line in Iowa. He's essentially lived here, uh, 99 counties, the whole deal. Yeah, and the operation here is... A lot of people say the most intense ground game and operation that they've seen in the history of these Iowa caucuses. Um, I really pressed him, as you have, as we all have, do you need to finish second here? And he won't answer that question now. What I think is interesting from their camp this morning is that Nikki Haley has been very careful to manage expectations. We don't say we need to finish second. We just need to come out of here strong. But this morning what you're hearing from the DeSantis campaign is like, oh, no, the polls now all have her in second. If she leaves here out of second, it's a loss for her. So they're managing now the expectations for her campaign. That is pretty funny because he started saying we were going to win the caucuses. Mm -hmm. I mean, as recently as December. I mean, you've never had a candidate come into Iowa with a greater record a greater argument to make to voters, and 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 I, I thought that there was probably a, a some likelihood of an opening for an alternative to Trump at the beginning of all of this. And Ron DeSantis checked all the boxes. He had everything. He had he had electoral wins in Florida. He had policy wins in Florida. He had everything going for him. And again, you know, he's this nerd. He likes to talk policy. He likes to sit in small rooms with people. And Iowans. They're tough, but they also know their policy stuff. They like to get into the under the hood and ask all these, you know, nerdy questions about policy, and that stuff really matters to them. And this this was a perfect place for Ron DeSantis, for whatever reason. Uh, he just has, uh, we should say, polling suggests we have no idea what's going to happen tonight, but polling suggests he just has not connected with people. It's like he he's missing that sort of weird DNA thing. That, that makes really good politicians able to connect with people. You know, the, you know the, the word of the year I learned from Brett Baer last year was riz, as in charisma, <laughs> you know? He's and got no riz. I think he's got no riz. Yeah. I think, and, and this is really telling. That was really cool of you to say. Well, it was. I was I, on you your learned show. it from me. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. In fact, you complained to the staff at that time. I did. That they didn't tell you the root was charisma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I had no clue what the word was. Riz? So you don't You're know You're all Riz. Then? You just don't <laughs> <have> <laughs> All right. Anyway, continue anyway, your point. Anyway, you know, uh, going back to your point, Charlie, he had a ton of money yeah. uh, up, up initially. Mm -hmm. You know, if you I, – I hate to use these terms because I think I'm playing into the Trump world, but the Republican establishment – clearly saw DeSantis as the alternative to Trump, and the money flowed in. And the whole notion that you could support Ron DeSantis based on his Florida success, tremendous victory in the second gubernatorial race, success in terms of legislation in Florida, he looked like the night coming through now to end the Trump era. It just hasn't happened, and he's been here, he's been everywhere, but 
people feel like, you know what, he doesn't open. He doesn't have Trump's riz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he does have all the elements to Charlie's point, Shannon. He has the endorsement of the very popular Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds. He has the endorsement of Bob Vander Plaats, mm-hmm. who took a lot of these previous caucus winners to victory mm-hmm. in Iowa. He's got the, the dedication of 99 counties and all this organization. And yet we're now talking, can he survive a third place? Mm-hmm. And Politico has this quote from a uh, the National Finance Committee chair. I'll be frank. I would say third place is not good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, given the expectations firm grasp of the obvious. and the buildup, I, I think that's right. The thing is that when in our polling, when you ask Trump voters, who is your number two choice? It's DeSantis. They line up in so many policy places, but people like what President Trump has been able to corral, that he's going to be a fighter. And the more that he faces lawsuits and criminal charges and all of these things, it makes his case that the establishment doesn't want me. They're coming, as Brett, you and I were talking last night, they're coming through me to get to you. I mean, he has that argument that's um, in addition to whatever policy that he and DeSantis may agree on, um, he's got that fighter spirit that the more he can point to people coming after him, the greater his base rallies. Yeah, And, you know, the thing that has to be remembered is, you know, voters are never wrong. Voters are always right. That's kind of the way we run this country, and uh, and and you know Trump has uh, has for a long time said you know I'm they're not after me they're after mm-hmm. you I'm just standing in their way, but it, at some point it becomes even more true when you have all of these charges they keep piling them up and I think we're playing a very dangerous game this idea that you that Democrats want to draw the Supreme Court in to settle all of this when voters clearly are and, and starting tonight it will become official. And then we'll go to New Hampshire, we'll go to South Carolina, and it will become official. These are voters who say, no, this is the person we want to be president of the United States. And, and obviously that, that's in, the, in a primary, but that's still significant. And the idea that you still have these partisan efforts trying to, to take them off of the ballot, trying to, ta- to you know, swamp them in court, trying to get the Supreme Court involved, this is really dangerous stuff. And it's not Donald Trump's fault. This is, this is the, his opponents trying to do this to him and trying to, I would say they're trying to break the system. We'll hear from our panel after this. There are a lot of people who feel like that, 100%. And you hear that from Iowa caucus goers. There are other people who say, on a number of those legal things, he he stepped in it himself by creating those elements. But there are political efforts uh, by some of these cases that really have affected people, one, that almost are driving support for Donald Trump as, you know, a sympathetic figure. Yeah, I mean, I'm listening to Charlie, and I have big objections, I think. I remember no. January 6th, Charlie, and I think a lot of, uh, you know, people who are not necessarily partisan in Maine, Colorado, think, wait a second, I can read here 14th Amendment, and I think that there's a problem with his candidacy, but it is then exploited for political purposes, I would agree. But the, to me, when you listen to Trump supporters, it's almost like you're saying, well, okay, I'm, tr- I'm trying to understand it, but they feel a passion about him that seems to me to go beyond political parameters. This is beyond something I've seen in other political candidacies. I mean, so many things. When we mention, you know, the, the tapes, uh, you know, that were made, uh, hot tape, Hollywood access, access Hollywood tape, and the like, and I can just keep going if you want. But it doesn't matter. And even as a message, because this was the message coming from Nikki Haley even last night is, 
Trump is going to just bring more chaos to American politics. And I think, as a subset, to Republican Party politics, which has not had great success with Trump as the leader of the party. But it hasn't made a difference with Trump's supporters. And as Charlie said, this is about the voters. But I, but I would argue that you know a, a partisan misreading of the 14th Amendment does not is not nearly as important as the, as the voice of people voting and saying this is the this is the person we want. Well, we'll see what the Supreme Court says about that. Yeah. Arguments February 8th and you know with multiple states trying similar efforts they're going to But gonna are they going to move in. quickly to try yeah. to I mean for to, right? for them this is moving quickly. The fact that they've even given it an argument date of February 8th instead of like 2025 February 8th yeah. that for them is lightning speed. So we should know. So, so meantime the Nikki Haley camp is saying we don't have to finish second with New Hampshire's our thing, <laughs> but she has spent more money on TV here than any other yeah. candidate. Yeah. I mean exponentially. And evangelical voters, traditionally Iowa's biggest group, you know, have not signaled that she's the one that they're looking at. Mm -hmm. But Well, remember back in 2016 when we were all here, and it was the first time around for President Trump, and evangelicals here were deeply opposed to him. They didn't think he was going to deliver. There was this letter from all the top, um, you know, evangelical leaders and pro-life leaders saying, we don't trust this guy. We don't think he's pro-life. We don't think he's going to follow through on this. You must vote against him. I mean, there was this huge groundswell. Now, you go find any evangelical on the street here, and they're like, nope, he did everything that we want him to do, protecting religious freedom, putting these folks on the Supreme Court, getting rid of Roe. Um, it has been an about-face in that eight-year period, almost like nothing I've seen, given the opposition in 2016. Yeah, I did think his answer on abortion in the town hall was pretty interesting. I mean, it was a little nuanced for him. First of all, his tone was a lot different than we thought it was going to be when he walked on that stage. It was general election Trump. It was dialed back a little bit. But his answer to that lady who's very concerned about pro-life issues was, I hear you. We did Roe v. Wade, but we have to win elections. And saying we're going to find something in the middle ground that Republicans can live with. And it's not six weeks. Well, I'm going to tell you, that was, for Democrats, the headline of that town hall. They are already cutting ads for that general election, showing Trump's that Because it's the only issue that they really succeed on. Yeah, but Trump there, you know, he was moderate in his general tone during the town hall. But on that issue, he was quite emphatic. I'm the guy that did away with Roe, with abortion rights for women as a constitutionally protected right. Um, and from de for Democrats... That is the issue going forward, because look at the track record on that issue around the country, even in red states. So they're going to push it, and here he is saying, I'm the guy. So for Democrats and for the Democratic base, and, you know, I often say all elections come down to Shannon Breen, <laughs> suburban <laughs> white woman, right? And for them, it apparently is a deal breaker. Yeah. What did you think of that answer? Oh, I, I thought it was fascinating, and it was uh, revealing. Um, I thought it was probably the most uh, after the the exchange. You know, his comments about the about chaos, and his comments about um, you know the best revenge is uh, retribution. Retribu mm -hmm. the best I don't retribution. have time for yeah. retribution. <laughs> which 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 is I mean, talk about a, that. That is a winning message, and it was very different. And like you say, a different guy came out. But th but that answer I thought was so interesting, and it reveals how much Trump is concerned about this issue in a general election. And um, I think it underscores the fact 
Trump is not an ideologue. He's not some right-wing conservative ideologue. He's a very practical-minded guy. And so, it, and that, which is why, like, the right, the like, Republican Party hates him. And then, of course, the left hates him because he's very successful, because he's breaking out of all of the ideological divides and being like, you know what, I'm going to come up with a, I'm going to come up with a solution that everybody's <laughs> going to love. And, and he really does mean that. And, there, and, and, and we sit here, and because we've been, you know, in the middle of these fights forever, and we think, well, that's not possible. You're, everybody's going to be mad. At, everybody's going to hate you. But, you know, that, that is, you know, he kind of has this almost naive, uh, hopeful vision that like it's like trying to win back the New York Times every time he talks to them he thinks he's going to win them over this, this time, time. Yeah. yeah this, this time, time. So I'm going to get yeah. Maggie Haberman to write a great story about me <laughs> or Bob Woodward right and 13 Bob 13 interviews later be a great <laughs> book. how about how about even Abe Lincoln should have negotiated <laughs> but it, but but at the center of that is a hopefulness that he can break through the the partisan divide and and, and I'd say I, I think it's probably that's far healthier I think, um, then, you know, continuing with these ideological wars where they just go crazy. New York Times today, college-educated Republicans have learned to love Trump again. Mm. Uh, and yet, bringing it back to where we started, one in four caucus goers say they could change their mind in the caucus tonight, which we forget. There is this public thing. you got to go yeah. to a side of a room. Somebody makes a pitch. There's somebody speaking on the candidate's behalf. You know, you get a a good person, hey, that guy, I like that guy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to that guy. Well, like we talked about, I'm surprised that there are still people in this weather who are undecided who say they're going. <laughs> because they take this so seriously. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, if I haven't Such picked a, a lane by now, I'm <laughs> staying home in my Snuggie. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not doing this. But they're going to go. And you you guys know, I mean, from covering these caucuses, the really big ones, the candidates will show up. They know where their best places are to go, where they may be persuaded. You persuade five people in the room. That can really make a difference. So it is a little bit of a process. But gosh, people take such pride in it here. And we have talked to a lot of people in the last week who are still undecided. Elon Musk says Donald Trump should pick Vivek Ramaswamy as his VP. The guy he just torched. <laughs> Don't well, think you, it's happening. But you know, I mean, everybody, many people have thought Vivek is running interference for him and not a campaign against him the last few months. There have been stranger bedfellows. Yeah. You know, I mean, it could work. Really? I mean, anything could work. Anything could work. No, but I mean, yeah, but, he said he's already made up his mind. But, Charlie, you got to yeah. think in terms of strategy. What is the best? And I think that inside the Trump camp, the thinking is it should be a woman. Mm -hmm. It should be a woman. And so they're looking, and I see several women a lot of decisions. campaigning for the job. Yes, many of them very openly. But a lot of the decisions yeah. that get made inside of the Trump campaign are not always strategic. Okay, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> I'll leave that Sometimes <laughs> shooting from the hip. But like you said, he's very pragmatic. Yeah. And he wants to put together the best argument to those suburban women about these issues. And so that... If he yeah. needs it... He will, I guarantee you, look at Nikki Haley. Mm -hmm. Even though he calls her bird brain. If he needs it or thinks he needs it, mm -hmm. don't you think that he would still consider oh, I her? Think, oh, oh, I think I he'll do think. consider anything. Uh, I think that it would be end up being, uh, a, there would be a lot of damage from that. that Internally. Uh, no, uh, just among re re Republican supporters. I think a lot of people, because, you know, Trump is the outsider candidate. He's the barbarian at the gate. Where That's are they what they love go? about him. Where are they going to go? Not show up to vote? Uh, yeah, well, that is the problem with this theory. For either side but, of the ticket. Yeah, but, but she is like from, she is, you know, politician from central casting. And they're not done. The Trump fever is not over. They still want the barbarian at the gate.
apparently. We shall see. First step tonight, Iowa caucuses. Shannon, Charlie, Juan, thank you very much. I'm Brett Baer, and thanks for joining the All-Star Panel Podcast. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.